Praise God. Bless your name, Lord. I spoke to you last week about hell shall not prevail, about putting on the armor of God. This morning we're going to continue and finish that message that began last week, and I've just entitled it, Hell Shall Not Prevail Too. Um, we've got... Um, a CD out in the hallway if you want to get the first message if you weren't here last week. Put the two together, uh, and I'm sure that it will bless you. But I want to continue this morning talking about the Christian's war, the Christian warrior's armor. Um, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, he said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Last week I spoke about the church being an armory which gives me the right stuff to fight evil in this world, namely against the wiles and schemes of the devil. And we know that we live in an evil world. Uh, you heard what Brother David said about uh, uh, what's happening with our children, God, and, and, and this, the, the, the wickedness that is in our world. Uh, and it just gets worse and worse. In fact, the Bible tells us that evil men will wax worse and worse deceiving and being deceived and lord we just we we just need to to get that in our spirit the apostle paul reminded us in ephesians six twelve, for we do not wrestle against flesh and bloods would you put that on the screen julia it's ephesians 14 and 8 and read it with me he said yeah, what paul said though let me read six twelve. for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities uh, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. Uh, Paul then warned us to put on the whole armor of God. I spoke of the first piece of armor, which is the belt of truth. Uh, the, belt, the belt protects the, the, the vulnerable parts of the waist, uh, the, the places that, that, that what they considered were very vital. Uh, and, uh, and it protects that part. You know, truth is the word of God. We are to wrap that word tightly around us like a wide belt. The truth of the word will protect the, the areas of the waste God that are most vulnerable. Today, I, I want to continue putting on the armor of God. And this is where we begin in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. And just read with me. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. That's the first belt. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. All praying always with all prayer and supplications in the spirit, being watchful to the end to this end with all perseverance and, and supplication for all the saints. Putting on the armor of God. The second piece that Paul talked about is the breastplate of righteousness. I, I think about Brother Kyle being a police officer uh, and uh, with the University of Florida or Brother Dave Johnson. And when they're on duty, they have to have their uniform on. And one of the things that they have to put on is something that protects their chest uh, from, uh, from a gunshot or, 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 or knife, whatever, uh, may, would harm them. And because it protects 
protects this part of the body, the heart uh, and the lungs. Uh, usually the breastplate was from a metal material or a thick leather material that would keep an arrow, spear, or sword from penetrating the chest area. Now, one thing that we can relate to is, like I said, the bulletproof vest that our military and our police officers wear. Paul wrote that this breastplate is made of righteousness. Romans 1.16, Paul wrote to the church in Rome that the, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. In the following verse, he writes, for in it, the gospel, in it, he's talking about the gospel, it, he says that the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. We are not righteous until we respond to the gospel in faith. We were, we were sinners. We were, we were unrighteous. We were unholy. We, we, we were separated from God until we received the gospel of faith. Uh, and and uh, in the following verses, Paul wrote this. He said, uh, excuse me, I lost my place. I'm getting in a hurry. Um, I've got to get my tongue slowed down. We're not righteous until we respond. It is the righteousness of God that is imputed. That means that God credits us as righteousness that is imputed to us when we are saved. God looks at us as righteous. Um, as Christians, being in relationship and submission to God, he imparts that righteousness to us. Romans 4, 5 and 8, he said, But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. David said this, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. You see, our conduct and lifestyle are different when we are saved and, and we're sanctified as a result of the salvation and the work of the Holy Spirit within us. Aren't you glad this morning that God declared that we are righteous if we have Jesus Christ and we've been saved by his blood, that we have been redeemed, Lord, that we are changed, we are a new creation, and that and we, are, we are deemed as righteous. Paul wrote this in Romans 8 and 10, And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. What he means there is this body is deteriorating. We're getting older. Things are not working the way as they used to be. You can tell by the way that I talk or, or the way that I walk or Brother Abraham as he was moving down here this morning, that we are, the body is deteriorating. Uh, it, 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 it is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. I'm so thankful this morning that I have got his spirit, that I'm full of his spirit, that I am alive unto him and I can feel it in my soul today because we are righteous. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it said, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 
Proverbs 4 and 23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. King David prayed, Create in me a clean heart. In his prayer of asking God for forgiveness in Psalms 51, Create in me a clean heart. You know, that's a prayer that I say just about every day. God, when I get up, I say, Create in me a clean heart, God. Lord, let my heart be pure today. God, let my thoughts be those that please you. Let the words that I say, God, be what? What, what blesses you when we got saved we became a new creation which means that our heart was cleaned by the blood of Christ you don't think like you used to think you don't, you don't have the desires you used to have you don't go to the places you used to go to things change in your life because God has imputed righteousness to you and to me and that is, that is our weapon. That is our weapon. The breastplate of righteousness is protecting what keeps us alive spiritually. Like the belt of truth, it's something that we are to put on ourselves by receiving it by faith and living it out daily. That's how that breastplate of righteousness protects us, is that we receive it and we live it out daily. Colossians 3 and 12, Paul said this, and he's talking about what kind of person we become when we receive Jesus Christ. He says, you've got to put this on. You've got to put on tender mercies. You've got to put on kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. You've got to bear with one another. You've got to forgive one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all things, he said, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. This is what we're wearing. That's our blessed plate of righteousness when we are living righteous before a holy God. And the, the devil's darts cannot penetrate that breastplate of righteousness because it's like the song that she just sang. He is our greatest weapon. His presence is our greatest weapon. His presence, our greatest weapon. And the third thing that he talked about was the gospel of peace. Shoes, verse 15, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know, Isaiah 52 and 7, God says this. He said, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news who proclaims peace who brings glad tidings of good things who proclaims salvation who says to zion your god reigns the gospel is the good news of peace uh, we, we want peace in the world today they're crying out peace uh, we, we've got the war that's going on in, in Israel uh, in the surrounding area we've got wars that's going on in other countries uh, and we hear that cry for peace we want peace we want peace I, I want to tell you uh, uh, there will be no peace until Jesus lives and reigns in their hearts he is the prince of peace as a warrior in this spiritual conflict, we are to be bearers of peace. How can we proclaim without first experiencing the peace of God in our own lives? Since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, I thank God that that peace has been shed in our hearts through the Holy Spirit today, that we can have peace uh, since we have been justified by faith. In Ephesians, Paul said this, But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace Jesus said the very words, I peace, my peace, I leave with you, my peace, I give to you. And when I was in the army about a hundred years ago, 
uh, we, were, we were required to wear combat boots. I was going to wear my boots this morning. In fact, I was going to wear a hard hat and, and, uh, and, and, you know, try to use some things to make an example of what I'm talking about. But you know what we're talking about when I, as I share it with you. Uh, and, and we had to wear combat boots. The boots were made to support our ankles, uh, to accustom the feet to rough terrain and, and unaccustomed ground, to enhance the ability to stand firm on difficult terrain and, and protect the feet from pro pro protruding objects that may be in the ground. Uh, and the warrior would be at a disadvantage without these boots. Uh, the church needs every soldier to boot up. You want to hit, I'm telling you, boot up and be prepared for the battle. And it is so important because this is what we've got to carry, the peace, uh, the, uh, the gospel of peace to every person in the world. That's our our command. I want to tell you this, the peace of the gospel will keep you with, with a balanced spiritual footing and less proning to stumble. Paul said in Philippians 1, let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel and, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is them uh, a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. What Paul is saying here, I want to hear that you stand, that you stand against the adversary, that you stand strong, that you you stand firm that nothing moves you uh, from your place in Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians, he said, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I have preached to you. Paul said in, Rome, in Ephesians chapter 6 that we've done all to stand, just to stand, to stand firm against the wiles of the devil. The gospel of peace is something, uh, it should be something you are prepared to carry anywhere upon receiving the orders of the Lord and of the Holy Spirit. And we know what his orders are in Mark 16 and 15. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone. Your feet are bringing good news in a spiritual offensive aimed at putting or setting the captives free from Satan's prison of lies. It's so important that we are shod with the, the, the shoes, the, the peace shoes. Uh, the, the Spirit of the Lord, Jesus said, is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. I'm telling you, church, that is our mandate today is to do the same thing. The gospel sets people free. I want to tell you, are you free today? You're free because of the gospel, the good news. If we had not heard the good news, we'd still be lost. We would not have believed. We not, would not have received this new life and this abundant life and this eternal life that Jesus has given us. The fourth thing, to, uh, uh, part of our, our, our armor is the shield of faith. And verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, a shield was a defensive device used by warriors uh, around the world for thousands of years to you know, protect them from, from the stones, from the arrows, from the spears, from battle axes, from sword thrust of their enemies. And, and, and Pastor Wes and, and, and Bob Scott and I liked, we watch old westerns, you know, Gunsmoke and uh, Rawhide and, and, um, and John Wayne and, and John Wayne and, uh, 
you know, cowboys and Indians stuff. You know, if you was a kid, you might have played cowboys and Indians. I, I did, and I refused to be an Indian. Uh, my cousin had to be the Indian. And, uh, because I, I, the cowboy always wins over the Indian. You know, if you look in the movie, uh, well, I want to tell you, the Christian wins over the devil. Because we put on the armor of God. Usually in these movies, the Indians have shields. My wife says, I've never seen one with shields. Well, I have seen some where they had their shields that, that, that would hit the arrows. They'd cover themselves. Uh, they were handheld, and they, they were able to move about easily with them. But during the old days of the Old Testament, the shields were mostly full length to protect the whole body. Uh, you remember David and Goliath? Um, the Bible says that Goliath's shield was so big that a shield bearer had to carry his shield before him. Uh, you know, and he was tall. And if it was covering his whole body, that was a big shield. So it took one man just to, all he could do to carry it in front of Goliath. And uh, uh, even with the Roman soldiers, the, the body link shield was used. Our shield is a spiritual shield of faith that protects us from the fiery darts of the devil. If in actuality, our protection can be found not so much in our faith, but rather in the object of our faith, who is Jesus Christ. We have victory because of Jesus Christ. He paid the price. He won the victory. He won the victory for us. So our reliance on Christ for our salvation serves to protect us as we come under attack. I love what uh, Proverbs 35 says. It says, God is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Aren't you thankful that his presence is a shield uh, for us if we stay in his presence? I'm reminded of what James said, that if we submit to God or we draw near to God and resist the devil, he will flee. It's that's God's presence in us uh, that, that gives us the power to resist the devil and he will flee. Psalms 12, uh, 5 to 12, the psalmist said this, For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor you will surround him as with a shield. Psalms 3 and 3, and we sing this in a song, says, But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of my head. Nineteen times in Psalms, the great warrior David talks about God and his word being a shield from his enemies. Uh, Christian historian Andrew Lincoln states that the shield of ancient times protected the warrior from arrows tipped with inflammable tar and pitch and shot off after being lit. And many times those flaming arrows would stick into the shield and they would be burning and fear would become uh, upon the shoulders, soldiers and they would be tempted to throw down their burning shields and run becoming vulnerable to the enemy. When the devil comes about like a roaring lion, our faith in the lion of Judah will keep us from his fiery darts. Some things I want you to consider about the shield. Our faith shield is perfectly capable of quenching all the fiery darts of the enemy. All the firing darts of the enemy. 
Knowing that the fiery darts of the enemy, when I talk about the fiery darts, I'm talking about doubt that may come, unbelief, worry, fear, lust, a bitter attitude, envy, greed, jealousy, and other sins. And knowing that they will be shot at us from time to time, we must never lower our shield, exposing the arrows of the devil. What I'm taking is that we've got to continue daily, daily, 24-7, to be in the presence of Jesus Christ because he is our shield our faith in him and the work that he did at Calvary the fifth uh, part of the, 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 the armor is the helmet of salvation verse 17a and take the helmet of salvation now the helmet is an encirclement around the head to protect the head I mean you've seen some of the movies Robin Hood uh, Prince of Thieves have you seen that you know and those soldiers had those helmets on uh, and uh, protected their head. Uh, uh, it was worn to protect the, hair, the head from the fiery darts and blows of the enemy. Uh, salvation in this verse carries the idea of rescue and safety, putting on the helmet of salvation. We're in a place of safety. So the helmet is a piece of safety equipment. It is worn to, worn to keep the brain or the mind from being harmed. And if you've ever been to a football game, you saw players wearing a helmet. Uh, you girls that play softball, we got any softball players here this morning that play softball? You have to wear a helmet uh, when you're batting so that you're protected from a wild pitch. Construction workers wear a hard hat to protect the head from a, a falling board or, or, or a falling piece of construction equipment or whatever. When we built this place, uh, we were given a hard hat while they were constructing. Uh, we were in the area. If something was to fall on our head, it would be protected. Uh, I really didn't need it. My wife says my heart, head's hard enough that nothing would hurt it. Um, but, but it was for our protection. You know, this helmet of salvation is for our protection. Certainly soldiers wear helmets for safety. Uh, I, can, I can attest to the need. I can give you a real-life story about a helmet. Uh, when I was in the Army, uh, we had to wear steel pots when we were in Vietnam. They called them steel pots. They were helmets made out of steel uh, and we had to wear them uh, when we were on duty um, and um, I was on guard duty one uh, morning uh, and I, I looked out from my foxhole and uh, saw there that the grass was on fire uh, and it was going around a claymore mine you know and uh, not being too smart at 20 years old um, I, I ran over to put the fire out um, because a, a rabbit, what happened, a rabbit had tripped the flare and it caught the grass on fire and it was surrounding that Claymore mine. And, and uh, when I was about 10 or 15 feet from the fire, the mine exploded. Now, I want to tell you, a Claymore mine has a killing radius of 50 meters. Now, 10, and 15, 10 to 15 feet is right in the center of that 50 meters or in the front of it. Uh, with all odds, I should have probably been killed. But only thing that hit me was a piece of shrapnel that hit my helmet. And it put a dent, a big dent, in that steel helmet. If it had hit my head, it would have taken my head off. God was with me that day. He was my shield of protection. I mean, I was too dumb to know what I was doing. Not much smarter today. 
The helmet of salvation protects the Christian warrior from the mind games of the devil, and he likes to play mind games with us. Wearing the helmet preserves the renewing process of the Holy Spirit. You know, Paul said in Romans 12, 2, that we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. First Peter tells us that we're to gird up the loins of our mind to be sober and rest our hope fully on the grace that was brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We, we need the helmet of salvation. Someone said that we are protected from the most cunning blow of Satan, which is doubt about God's loving acceptance of us, even with our past failures and our present weaknesses. I want to tell you, you're wearing the helmet of salvation. You don't need to doubt that God loves you. And that God still holds your weaknesses and frailties against you. That's not our God. He's a God that forgives. He forgives to the point to where it says it's cast into the sea of forgiveness to be remembered no more. But you know the devil, he wants to bring those past things, those past sins to us. He wants to remind us what we did long ago. But we need to realize that we're saved by grace. And we've got that helmet of grace on our head, that helmet of salvation. The, 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 the fifth or the sixth part of our armor is the sword of the Spirit. I hold in my hand the sword of the Spirit. Paul said in the sword in 17b of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The name of this sword in this verse is, is Machaira, which is a short, sharp sword that is intended to be used as a weapon for intense close quarters combat. The weapons listed before the sword of the Spirit were defensive weapons against Satan's attacks. The sword of the Spirit is both a defensive and an offensive weapon. We're to storm the gates of hell. Jude tells us to pull them out of the fire that they can be saved. We have to storm the gates. Satan may shoot his fiery darts from a distance, and the defensive weapons protect us from any harm, but there are times that Satan gets into your face, and you have to battle him in close contact. Have you ever had that happen to you where Satan got into your face? I want to tell you, he might can get in our face, but we have got something that will defeat him, something that will take him down. The best illustration that I have of this is found in uh, uh, is the one-on-one -on -one battle that took place between Jesus and the devil. And I'm reading out of Luke chapter 4. And, and listen to this. Then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. When you got saved, the Holy Spirit came and dwelled in you. You were filled with the Spirit. Jesus was filled with the Spirit. He returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when they, they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But listen to this. Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, 
taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give to you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I, will, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. And then, then the devil brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, now here's the devils using the word of God. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your, your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered it and said to him, It has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And when the devil had, had ended his every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Now let me tell you about this story. There's some important things that you need to understand about these verses. One is that Satan will attack you face to face when you are at your weakest, when you're tired, when you're hungry, when, you, when you're broken. That's when he'll come against you. Satan will tempt you with things that will appeal to your, to your flesh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, what we talked about in Sunday school this morning. Satan will even use the Word of God, but he'll use it out of a context to make you sin and to fall. He, you can never let your guard down after you have resisted him because Satan will return later, what the Bible says, at an opportune time. We have to have that sword of the Spirit in us and with us. That when he comes against us, we can resist him. The word of God is the rima, which really means utterance. The utterance of God. Just as Jesus uttered the word in his battle with the devil, we as Christian warriors must utter the word, resist the devil with the word. The word is a gift given to us by God. The Holy Spirit moved on holy men to write the pages of this holy book here but for it to be effective, the sword has to be unsheathed. That means it's got to be read. It's got to be studied, meditated on, memorized, and quoted for it to be of any practical use. Hebrews 4 and 12 says, The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of soul and spirit. Church, I'm here to tell you, we need to confess the word out loud daily as a way of sharpening our sword. We need to read it out loud. Uh, we, we need to memorize it. John 14, 26 is said, But the Helper, the Helper is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things that I said. In John 16 and 13, again, Jesus said, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. And I love what is said about the, the disciples in the book of Acts in chapter 4, 31. It said that when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Church, that's what we need to do. We need to utter with boldness the word of God. The word of the Holy Spirit will actually help us sharpen uh, the blade uh, by bringing useful and relevant messages to our minds when needed. And we need him to bring them uh, to our minds. But just reading and meditating and memorizing and quoting uh, scriptures are not enough. The word must be followed by actually doing the word. James wrote, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. 
You know, I, I read one time of a chef that had a restaurant, and I believe it was in New York or somewhere like that. It was in a big city. She had a restaurant, and, and, and she had an interview, and, um, and the person that was interviewed asked her, said, do, do you eat your own cooking? And she said, no. She said, I, I, I've got people that, that taste it, you know, I, I just run the show. I, I don't. I don't eat my own cooking. You know, I'd, I'd be. I'd be wary of eating at her restaurant <laughs> if she doesn't eat her own cooking. But that applies to us. We can share the gospel with people. You know, quote scriptures, etc. But if we do not live the gospel, how will we convince others to receive what we say? I hope that didn't step on somebody's toe. I hope you're all living the gospel. And the last part of our armor is prayer. So important. So important. Verse 18, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. This is out of the New Living Translation. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Church, the value of prayer as a spiritual weapon is apparent. Prayer gives us access to the throne of God and access to his mercy and his grace, to his forgiveness and his provision, his protection and his guidance. The word and prayer, they're both defensive and offensive weapons, and we need them badly. Prayer is the aggressive action that brings victory in spiritual warfare. Aggressive action. We need to pray aggressively. It was prayer that sustained the man Jesus when he went apart alone to talk with his father. His disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray and they learned to pray. John 17, Jesus prayed an intercessory prayer to his father for his disciples. Paul said to pray without ceasing. Prayer should be the central activity of the Christian warrior. We need to pray. I want to tell you, without prayer, there's no victory. Without prayer, there's no victory. We have to have prayer. Conclusion, I, I just want to share with you what I think Christian warrior's character should be. First of all, the Christian warrior must be tough. I'm afraid we've got too many wimpy soldiers that when they get in the battle, they get afraid. We've got to stand. We've got to stand. Paul said in 2 Timothy 2 and 3, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 10, he says, For I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. And then he, wrote, he said this, This is a trustworthy saying, If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we would reign with him. Oh, what a motivation to be tough. That if we endure 
will reign with him. Being a warrior is not easy. You know that. I know that. There will be times when a soldier may fall or be wounded, but he must get up, dust himself off, and keep going. A few days ago, I was sending our visiting our granddaughter Hannah and our grandson Todd and, and their two, our great-grandsons, Nathan and William, and we were fixing to leave. We were standing on the little porch that's in front of their house, and there's about a six to eight-inch uh, difference from the step down to the ground, and William misstepped, and he fell on his face. And, and, and uh, Hannah and, and Sandy, they were, we were all going to get down and pick him up, but he jumped right up. He said, I'm okay. I'm tough. <laughs> Church, we need to toughen up because the battle's not going to get any easier. As we see that day approaching, it's going to get worse and worse. And we've got to be tough. I think the second characteristic is a Christian warrior must be brave. Fear has no place in the heart and life of a believer. Fear is a tactic of the enemy. When Joshua was about to lead the Israelites into the promised land, God told him, said, Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It took courage for a young shepherd boy named David to come against a giant named Goliath who was twice his size and trained in warfare. But David said, I come to you in the name of the Lord and he will deliver you into my hand. Paul wrote to Pastor Timothy, God has not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind. I want to tell you, we have got to be brave because if we be brave, we will be victorious. But if we run, we lose the battle. And this is an important battle. It's a battle for the souls of our family, of our children, of, of, of those that we work with, those that we go to school with. It's a battle. We're battling for their souls. And we've got to be brave and stand against the enemy, not only for ourselves, but for them. The Christian warrior also must be disciplined. Run to win, Paul said. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. We've got to discipline our lives. There's so many things that want to woo us away from the lifestyle that we're supposed to live. So many things that want to attract us and get our minds off of what we should be. We are soldiers. We need to be. We don't need to be entangled with the affairs of this life. As soldiers, we need to be disciplined. We need, we need to be disciplined in the disciplines of the Word, in our prayer time, in our, in our, our study time, in our Bible reading time, uh, in, 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 in our devotion time, in, in our worship, in, 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 in our service, whatever, whatever part of our life that belongs to God, we need to be disciplined in it. And then the last thing, and I'll close with this, the last characteristic is a Christian warrior must be evangelistic. I used to wonder when I watched Cowboys and Indians, the Westerns, why the Indians would come yelling. I mean, why were they yelling? You know, they were loud. Christ came to seek and save those who are lost. 
That's what he came for. But when he returned to heaven, he gave us orders to seek and save those who are lost. Matthew 28, 19, Jesus gave us the order to go into all the world and make disciples. Mark 16 and 15, Jesus said, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Paul's desire and aim in life was that they may attain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. That's our call. You can't go into all the world, but you have a world right here around you. You have a sphere of influence, and that's what Christ is talking about. We're to go into all the world. We send, we send missionaries. They go to other countries. We can be a part of sharing the gospel by supporting them, supporting the missions effort. But we have a place here he's called us, where he's planted us, where we have a world right here around us that's our world. It includes our family, our neighbors, our friends, our workers. We've got to be evangelistic. Church, we are in warfare. We're in a warfare. There's no doubt about it. When you see the condition of our world today, and you see what they're trying to teach our children, how to take them and to destroy their lives, transgender, gender positioning, transitioning, whatever you want to call it, We have a battle. We have a battle. Would you stand with me? Precious Father, we thank you. God, that you've provided. God, that armor that we need that we can fight evil in this world. God, not only, God, do we get your protection for ourselves, but God, you've given us those offensive weapons that we can fight for others. And hell shall not prevail against the church. It's a war. The church versus hell. But you know, Lord, we're thankful, God, that we have the victory in Jesus Christ. Even death does not have a hold on us. And Father, you give us victory. God, in these skirmishes that we have, God, with these places of wickedness in the high places that come against us, against the wiles of the devil, we don't have to fear, but we do have to put the armor on. And God, I pray this morning, Lord, if there's one here today that does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they have not been washed clean of their sins and imputed his righteousness to them. God, Lord, that today would be a day of salvation. The most important decision of our lives is to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, to confess our sins and receive him in our hearts by faith as our Lord and our Savior, our soon coming King. 
Holy Spirit, I ask you to minister to every heart here today. God, if we're not clothed here today with the full armor of God, I pray today, God, Lord, that you would open our spiritual eyes and see where we're vulnerable. And God, to work in those areas of putting on that armor, being closer to you, being your servant, your soldier. God, we need you today. We need the armor of God. We need the belt of truth. So there's so much, Father, that's lies and deception in our world today. Jesus said that he's coming back at a time when before the elect are being deceived. God, we may be living in that time, and Lord, I ask you today, Lord, let us not be deceived. But God, let us put the belt of truth, the Word of God, wrap it around us and let us walk in it. Father, we need the breastplate of righteousness, God, because hearts are being hardened toward you. People are being drawn away from you. God, we need protection of the heart, the lungs of things that are of very life to us. God, Lord, I, I pray, let us put on that breastplate of righteousness. Father, we need the helmet of salvation because without salvation, we're lost. Without salvation, our mind is prone to, to be drawn away. God to be lost. The enemy. This fiery dark gets us. Lord, we need the shield of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please you. Lord, we need to stand in that faith. And Father, we need, God, the sword of the Spirit. your word and the Holy Spirit working together in our lives. And we need the power of prayer, God, to see the miracles that we prayed for this morning for Brother Abraham. The power of prayer to see our children saved and ready to go. Prepare us for the battle daily. God, we need to be tough. Lord, help us to toughen up. Help us to be brave. Help us to discipline our lives, God, that we're dressed properly and prepared, God, for the battle. And help us to be evangelistic. Help us tell the world the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, a gospel of love, a gospel of peace. gospel of power. God, Lord, take each one of us and strengthen us and help us prepare. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we leave, I ask the question, is there anyone here today that does not know Jesus Christ as our Savior?
These altars are open. We'll come and pray with you. Are there any that would like to come and pray? All right, you're dismissed. Have a blessed day. We got to sing this tonight, come tonight.